Thanks for listening to the Movement Church Podcast. Movement is located in Newport, Kentucky, and you're always welcome to join us on a Sunday morning at 1030. Hope you enjoy this podcast. Okay, think about the month of October. How many of you are honest, are bold enough to say you've had some relational conflict in your, in your life? How many of you would raise your hand and say, I have had some relational junk in my life? Now, none of the elbows, none of this, like, none of, we're not trying to ruin anyone else's lunch, as mine's already in bad shape. But think about that. Or maybe even think about it. I'm not going to ask you to, uh, to, to fess up to this. Maybe you had an argument on the way to church. Maybe you're in the car and you're coming here and somebody didn't do something, and your kids aren't listening, your kids aren't behaving, and you had an argument as you're walking up to church, and you come up the steps, and you're like, oh, I got a smile, everybody's good, everybody's happy, we're the perfect family, right? We all do this kind of stuff. So today we're talking about these, these conflict goals, okay? Conflict goals. Now, I'm not talking about how maybe you're just one of those people that like to stir things up, and you're thinking, hey, this week I'm going to make my coworker mad, or I'm going to, I'm going to intentionally put the toilet paper that certain way where my husband or wife will get mad about it, or I'm going to not do my chores and my roommates are going to get angry. I'm not talking about those kind of goals. I'm talking about how we resolve our conflict. Now, you might be saying, well, that's, that's good for like a self-help talk, right? That's good for like maybe some sort of inspirational thing that's kind of devoid of Jesus. But what the reality is, is that what I see in the scriptures, what I see that Jesus talks about, when I see the early church navigating this, that as they're bringing together people from all walks of life, all kinds of different backgrounds, all kinds of different uh, uh, former religions, all kinds of different ethnicities, they are struggling to make sense of this new community, this new creation that God is bringing about. And so what we see is that our conflict, our relationship with one another matters, matters deeply. Now, I know that for you, maybe you're just perfect, right? And you don't have any conflict right now, but I guarantee you it's coming. And maybe you can even think about some of the the, the situations and the scenarios that are on your horizon. You know, maybe you're going to go to blank later today or maybe you've gone there and and you're going to get frustrated when that person kind of cuts in front of you and kind of kind of elbows you out of the way and you're trying to take in this beautiful artistic uh, installation and, and they're in your way with that or maybe you're like me and fall breaks here and your kids are going to be home more and that's going to cause all kinds of stress or, or maybe you're like me, I'm going camping. I'm going camping after this. I'm going to be sleeping in a tent tonight, not just with my family, but my parents, my brother's family, my sister's family, all the cousins. Everybody's going to be there. On paper, it makes sense, but we all know it's going to be a disaster, right? We all know that's how it's going to go. And so maybe the conflict goals and the things we're going to talk about are going to help us understand how to move forward. So we're going to establish a conflict goal. Let's look at what Jesus said when he talked about this. He says this. Some of his most famous words comes from the most famous sermon he gives. He says that blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. The Apostle Paul echoes these words, and he writes to the church in Rome, this early church. He says, if it is possible... As far as it depends on you, now that's an important phrase, because often we talk about conflict, we talk about what the other person did. Paul says, as far as it depends on you, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You cannot read the New Testament, read the words of Jesus with any kind of openness, any kind of clarity, any kind of being open to what God is doing and miss the importance of this, miss the importance of relationships. 
Now, this is easier said than done. So maybe we can kind of help us understand some things. So I have this, this really just basic image, this conflict kind of continuum here, all right? We got that? Yeah, there we go. So maybe you're on one end of the spectrum where you're conflict avoidant. You push off the conversation. You avoid that person. You talk about something else. You avoid conflict. Or maybe, maybe you're one of the crazy people on the other end, and you relish conflict. You can't wait to have it out. When you got that meeting scheduled, you just can't wait. Like you've been playing what you're going to say over and over again, and you can't wait to get there. Now, the vast majority of us, I think, could say dealing with conflict is important, but it's not exactly the most fun thing. You're somewhere in the middle. But I think it's important for us to realize where we are on this scale, for us to understand what's going on there. You know, I grew up in a house where hard work was really valued, right? Like, my dad would often say, if you would ask me, are you ready for your test? And I would say, yeah, I'm ready. I know, I, know, I know what we're talking about. He says, but have you mastered it? Like That was kind of his classic phrase. Or we would be doing something, and I would kind of want to halfway do a job, and, and there would be kind of this point where I'd say, well, Dad, it's good enough. And he would say, but is it right? Is it really done? My dad's an incredible hard worker, and this is something that was valued very much in my family. And, and so, so I understand the, the value of hard work, but I also understand in my family that, that conflict was often just dealt with by working harder, by just kind of giving yourself to something else. And we didn't really talk about things. And so I remember that in those first, especially those first few years of marriage, that something would come up between Heidi and I, and it would be like, I didn't know how to deal with this well or in a healthy way. So what about you? On that continuum, on that spectrum, where would you place yourself? We're going to come back to this in a little bit, but we, before we talk about conflict, we might need to talk about the sources of our conflict. Sure, it might be that obnoxious driver, or like I said, you're at blank and someone's kind of muscling you through. I was, I was at this free fall festival yesterday, and this very nice grandmother was there, and she was, had her vouchers like we all did in line to get the free hot dog and all this stuff, and she cut me. She cut me in line, and it was one of those moments where I'm like, you know what? My grandma would have done the exact same thing. Good on her, right? I can respect that. Or maybe, maybe you're in those spots where you, you have this coworker who just, maybe they smack their gum, or maybe they, they say something that just drives you crazy, and, and for whatever reason, you can never get along with that person. There's some obnoxious things that drive us crazy. There's some obnoxious things, but then there's some deeper things as well. There's some really challenging moments and every single one of us comes from past experiences that color and shape how we deal with conflict and often some of us have these kind of wound-based filters for how we deal with conflict whenever we encounter conflict we go back to times which we have been hurt we have been wronged and often we are completely justified no one's saying you're delusional no one's saying that you were really in the right but you have this moment where you have these wound-based filters I, I talked about how, how I, I had a, a family growing up that really valued hard work. And I remember there'd be times where, and maybe you can relate to this, where you would feel as though that, man, I, I just don't have the money to go out, or I don't have the money to do this, and you're in this lower-paying job. Maybe it's right after high school. And, and a lot of times people would say things to me like, well, just get a better job, or just work more. 
There was like even a song in the 50s, I googled this, by the Silhouettes, and the title of the song was Get a Job. And so if you want to push my button, if you want to push my button, challenge me on my work ethic, because that's something that was instilled in me. Challenge me on, on whether or not I'm competent at what I'm doing. Like, you can make fun of my appearance, you can, you can make fun of, of like my f- fashion, you can make fun of the fact that I walk up in the middle of songs where I'm not supposed to, you can make fun of all of that stuff, but don't attack my work ethic. Because we all have some sort of expectations. And when our expectations aren't met, this can become the source of our conflict. So next time you find yourself in a moment where you're having conflict, you feel that tension, maybe you need to ask yourself, am I reacting from a past wound? Maybe I have expectations that aren't being met. Or maybe I have expectations that really have never been expressed before. And so often we kind of have to ask ourselves, well, why am I upset about this? Why am I mad? Because for us, I think we have to recognize the source of our conflict before we can really deal with it. So there are healthy ways, there are unhealthy ways. And if we think back to that conflict scale, we can kind of figure out where we kind of are on that. But there's another dimension to this. There's a quick quadrant I want to put up here. Now, the, the quadrant is very simple. And the horizontal is that conflict avoidant, conflict assertive access. But then vertically, we talk about how much we care, high or low. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at these four and kind of understand how we deal with conflict and what that means moving forward. Because ultimately, we want to be peacemakers. Okay? It's very important for us to be peacemakers. So these quadrants. I would call that person in the upper left... The upper left, the peacekeeper. Not the peacemaker, the peacekeeper. They care a lot, but they avoid conflict. They're, they're not willing to address things. So this is the, the passive-aggressive mode. This is the silent treatment. This is walking away. This is kind of busying ourselves with something else. This is someone who says, there's a conflict, and so I'm just going to go do something and make it right. You know, maybe it's food. Maybe it's a project. Maybe it's some sort of distraction. I'm just going to make this right. I'm going to find a way to keep the peace. So maybe that's you. If you're in that spot, hey, I love how much you care, but maybe we're avoiding the conflict. You know, we look at Jesus when you think about conflict. He doesn't avoid it. He takes things head, head on. He addresses the crowds. He addresses the skeptics. He goes after those who are after him. He even confronts his closest friends. In one of his most famous teachings, he said this about conflict in Matthew chapter 5. He says that if you enter a place of worship and about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you. Abandon your offering. Leave immediately. Go to this friend and make things right. In our context, think about it this way. You're walking into church. You're walking into church and you realize you left things in a bad place. Jesus teaches us that we should walk back out, that Jesus is saying that reconciliation is more important than this. And in his day and age, and understanding then of how they were to worship, how they were to express their faith, they would go and make an offering. Now, this wasn't just something like, I'm going to put some money in the box, I'm going to come and sing a song. This was an understanding that this is how I worship. And this means, by what I do, it means I love God. And so for the people who are hearing this, they're saying, you're saying that devotion to God, connecting with God, being right with God is of less importance than your relationships with with, with your, your neighbor, with your brother and sister. This is kind of a radical thing. But Jesus says this is more important than doing the religious motions. 
I would prefer that you would leave your offering and go. He's serious about this. So if you tend to keep peace at all costs, if someone's pushing your buttons and you're just kind of pressing it down and kind of sitting on it, chances are that's unhealthy and it needs to be addressed. So that's the upper left. Now let's talk about the lower right. The lower right quadrant is the bully. The bully. They don't care and they're going to fight. They don't care and they're going to go after this. Now, I know some bullies who come from this are a really good place. I think I can be this way. When I get cynical, when I say, you know what, it doesn't matter, feelings aren't as important as the fact, then we're going to address this and we're just going to deal with this and we're going to talk truthfully. We're going to speak some truth here. And if they can't handle it, well, that's on them. This is the bully model. And the bully addressing conflict is not the challenge. Addressing it with care is. The Apostle Paul shares this important piece of wisdom for the bully when he writes, speak the truth in love. Paul says don't, he doesn't say that to downplay it, to minimize it, to explain it away, but he says when you speak the truth, speak it in love. Now, if you think you might be a bully, you probably are. Because we will often discount ourselves, we'll often explain away ourselves, but how we are received will be very, very clear to the other person. You know, it's good that you want to challenge it's good that you want to address conflict. But there, the right heart and the right words matter. Before I give some practical strategies of dealing with conflict, if you find yourself in this spot, if you look at this quadrant and you honestly say, you know what, I've been a bully. I think it's important for us to understand how it feels to be there. If you're in this quadrant, if you're there with somebody, you likely to find yourself low on love and low on energy or desire to address conflict at all. You'll find yourself in the spot where you're just kind of ready to give up. And how you feel means that you're probably in this other quadrant, the lower left, the lower left quadrant of apathy. Apathy, I'm just going to give up. It doesn't matter. This person's going to be a bully. This person's just going to peacekeep, and they're not going to really address the issue. And so I am just going to give up. If you're in the apathetic spot, I would say this. It's worth it. Your marriage, your family, your friendships, it's worth fighting for. It's worth fighting for. This whole thing, church, we are going to have conflict. We are going to get on each other's nerves. We are going to press each other's buttons. But this is worth fighting for. This is worth fighting for, not because we get gold stars in heaven based on our church tents, but this is worth fighting for because Jesus says this, the global historical church, is the hope of the world. And so when you're in that spot where you say, what's the point? I'm just going to find some podcasts of the best teachers I can, and they're out there, and that's incredibly beneficial. And I'm going to kind of do my own thing and kind of distance myself and isolate myself because I'm apathetic, because I don't want to deal with conflict. I would say this. You're missing out. You're missing out on something that is worth fighting for. That's why we don't just do church. We don't just come together at 1030. But we are doing other things because we want to foster those relationships. We want to serve together. We want to come together and pray together. We want to come together and learn together. We do all the things we do, not because we have this checklist we need to fill, but we are trying to fight against that apathy. We're trying to fight against that apathy that says it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because it does. So if you find yourself there, don't settle for that. Don't settle for that. Now, no matter what your tendencies may be, 
Maybe it's to bully or to keep peace at all costs. Our goal is to move towards truth and love, towards something healthy, something that we see modeled in Jesus. And that brings us to this upper right, the peacemakers. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. Peacemakers are people who speak truth in love. So how do you move towards this? If you identify where you are in that quadrant and you say, I want to become a peacemaker, but I'm stuck here, how do you move forward? Now, how do you move forward? How do you take steps to move that direction? There's three kind of quick practical strategies that I want to give us. I think you apply in workplace and home and any kind of relationships. The first is this. Try expressing a complaint with a possible solution. It drives me crazy. It drives me crazy when people address a problem and don't have a solution in mind. Because I, 90% of the time, I agree with the problem. I agree with them. But bring solutions to the table. So maybe say this. This strategy is called, I notice and I prefer. Hey, I notice that you don't hang up your towel after you take a shower. I'd really prefer... I'd really prefer if you would hang that up when you're done. Now, that's not coming from my personal life. I want to say that, but maybe that's yours. Or, or maybe I have friends who do this, who have friends who do this. They are so, they have such a rigidity about how to load and unload the dishwasher, right? Like, they don't want to, when they unload the dishwasher, they want to unload from the bottom shelf first because they load from the top shelf, then water's going to drip down the bottom shelf, and now somehow they're not clean or dry, right? And so they have this. So maybe you want to say, I noticed that you unload the dishwasher in a way that really matters to me for some stinking reason, and I would prefer you do it another way. You know, maybe, maybe whatever that is for you. Maybe you would say to your coworker, I noticed that you'd love to reheat tuna fish in the company, office, common space, common microwave, I'd prefer it if you didn't do that, right? You know, get it out of the can, do the crackers, whatever you gotta do, but maybe don't reheat it in the microwave. So, so, so maybe that's a second strategy is this, one of my favorites. It's called the puzzled strategy. Now, the puzzled strategy is something that I have used with impure motives, right? I'm just going to be honest about this. The puzzle strategy is to say, I'm puzzled about this. I'm not puzzled. You're a jerk, right? Okay. But maybe if you're honest, maybe if you're honest, <laughs> maybe if you're honest, just kind of explain to me why you do this. I'm, I'm kind of puzzled by this. I, I'd like to understand where you're coming from. Now, what I have found is that usually there's a legitimate excuse. Usually there's a legitimate reason. And because I'm an idiot, because I'm a jerk, I learned that by doing that. So it's very simple. It's, a, it's very, uh, understand that this is something you might say, well, this is kind of basic. But these things need to be employed on the front end, not the back end. Because how many of the conflicts we have faced blow up, not at the start, but as it gets moved along, as it escalates, as that snowball comes down the hill and gets bigger and bigger and bigger. The third one is this. Third strategy, we're talking about how we express our feelings. Maybe you're dealing with a bully. Maybe you're dealing with somebody who's on that, that low care. Maybe they're apathetic. And you're trying to express, why does this matter? You say something like this. I feel this when you do this. I feel blank when you blank. Maybe you say this. I feel unimportant when you're looking at your phone during dinner. I feel like you're saying that whatever you're doing there is somehow more important than what I could say. These strategies start with, with I statements. We don't want to blame. Because as soon as we start blaming when we're trying to deal with our conflict, things blow up. Now, those are some simple strategies. 
Personally, I'm really good at avoiding conflict. I'm really good at just kind of, like I said last week, hiding behind humor or, or pretending it didn't happen. But what I have found and what I think that Jesus is modeling and teaching is that how we deal with conflict really, really matters. So I would challenge you this. My assumption is there's somebody in your life right now where there's some static in the relationship. A friend, your husband, your wife, your kids, coworker. There's somewhere there's some static in that relationship. There's some conflict brewing or it's a full-blown fire. I would challenge you, I would challenge you to address that conflict by first apologizing. Because they may be the worst person, but you haven't been perfect. I would challenge you right now to consider who is that one person. And maybe for you, you need to step back and examine where have I screwed up? Where have I screwed up? How have I made a mistake? Because what, is, what, is, what does Jesus say in Matthew 5? He says, before you bring the offering, go deal with the conflict. We can never, we can never not deal with it soon enough. We have to take action when we have conflict. So we need to ask ourselves, what would it look like for you to be a peacemaker in this relationship? How hard could it be to take a step to apologize, to vocalize, to address the conflict. Maybe for you, that needs to be, over the next seven days, for you to begin to address some conflict that you're facing. Because conflict is inevitable. Conflict is inevitable. Conflict is normal, and I think it's also necessary. When I look at what Jesus does, when I look at what Jesus has, he's teaching, he will so often push buttons knowing exactly what he's doing. Now, we're not Jesus, but what I do see there is that there's a place and a time to challenge one another. There's a place and a time to call someone out. And I don't like that, and I bet you don't either. I think about the times in my professional life. Well, someone say, hey, we need to have a meeting. You said this. You did this. And I, I got I to tell you, I didn't like it. I don't like those meetings. But usually they got something that was right. They got some truth to share. Think about the times where your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend said, we got to talk. That's not a fun conversation. But what's less fun, what's less healthy, is just continuing like nothing's going on. If you think about all the conflicts in your life, and you think about the ways in which there were all these moments along the way, as it was escalating, where you could have done something, where you could have stepped up and addressed the conflict, my challenge to you, my challenge to us is to start, do something, apologize, admit fault. Don't be the, the passive-aggressive peacekeeper. Don't be the apathetic one who says it doesn't matter. Don't be the bully that says, I'm going to bring truth and I'm going to bulldoze you with it. Work for both. Work for truth and for love. Now here's the deal. When you think about what it means to be a peacemaker, this only makes sense because of what Jesus has done. Because cosmically, there's conflict. Cosmically, there's conflict. On the big universal scale, there is conflict. You all know how crappy of a person you are. You've all got regrets. 
You've all got moments where you say, I wish I would have done something different. You've all got things and flaws. You've got things that we might call strongholds, these things that you keep coming back to, these mistakes you keep, make, you keep making, that we are all, as Paul would say, slaves to sin in so many respects. And this conflict is real. Now, you be apathetic, say it doesn't matter. You can be the peacekeeper say, well, I'm just going to do more things. I'm going to go to church more. I'm going to volunteer more. I'm going to serve more. I'm going to give more. I'm going to put myself on that cross and make sure that I earn it. You be the bully and yell out to God, this isn't fair. Why would you do this to me? The fact is, this world is crap and you are absent. That you can see how in all of this, conflict is at the heart. And so when we talk about conflict with our personal relationships, it matters because on the cosmic letter, level, we have to deal with it as well. Paul writes to the church in Rome, in, Rome, in Romans 3.23, he says, For all have sinned, for all have screwed up, for everybody's got regrets, everyone's a mess, everyone is missing out. If the glory of God, the glory of God is the standard, we are falling short. So the conflict is there. There is plenty of ammunition to be the bully about this. There's plenty of ammunition to be the peacekeeper about this. There's plenty of ammunition to be the cynic, apathetic, retreatist about this. But then Paul says this in Romans chapter 8. He goes on, or I'm sorry, in Romans chapter 5. He says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It wasn't when you figured things out. It wasn't when you got clean. It wasn't when you apologized. It wasn't when you developed new habits. That when you realize that you are not going to fix this on your own, that the conflict you were experiencing on a daily basis isn't going to be resolved just with you working harder, you giving up, or you being a bully about it. The conflict is only resolved when we recognize that someone gave us a way out before we even asked for it, before any of us were born, that we had this way out. And so we look to that model. We start by saying yes to that. Christians have no place, as Paul would say, to boast. We don't have anything to stand on. We don't have any accolades or achievement to stand on. All we have is what Jesus did for us. And so we say yes to that. We say that yes, I believe that Jesus died for us while things were already and still messed up. And that that conflict has been resolved. And then we look to that as a model and saying, I am not just going to wait for them to apologize. I'm not going to wait for them to make it right, for them to admit that they are wrong and just get bitter about it and, and push it down and hold on to that for ourselves, just waiting for them to get it right and rehearsing the conversation in our head over and over again. What we realize, what we see in Jesus is that we have to work to become peacemakers as well. So does this matter? I think it does. Because when we find reconciliation with one another, when we apologize, when we work to speak the truth in love, when we work to mend those relationships, what we see is the gospel. The good news that Jesus died for you while you were still a sinner. And that's why it matters. Let's pray. God, we want to be a people.
for people who seek healthy relationships.